are back. Hello. Oh, hello there. Hi. Oh, hi there. How do you do? A little bloaty. You're a little bloaty, baby? Yeah. <laughs> a little bloaty today. Sorry you're a little bloaty. Yeah, it's all right. Do you need some kind of medicine that I can feed to you? No, I don't think so. You're sure? You yeah. don't want me to feed you anything? <laughs> oh, shoot. They just... Okay, this is... Nope, never mind. That's not podcast worthy. <laughs> a, huh? bo- a bowl of fruit that I didn't throw away isn't something to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> Why? Uh, you know, I really got to get my head in the game. This is a serious production. You <laughs> <laughs> know what I can talk about? That bowl of fruit I need to throw away. <laughs> I just re- I seriously almost just went, oh, man, that reminds me of all that fruit I didn't throw away. And now I'm talking about that. <laughs> this is off the rails like one minute in. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to let you sit in this awkwardness yeah, all by tell. yourself. I could tell. <laughs> just, just leave me out to dry on this um, one. I don't really have anything to save you here because I don't have anything super interesting that I want to talk about. Yeah. The mouse is still <laughs> still going. The saga of the mouse yeah. is still ongoing. It had moved upstairs, but then there was a sighting. Mm. Um, there was some screaming. I wasn't there. But there was screaming from what I've been told. And then my mom basically jumped onto the counter. Leapt onto the counter in terror. onto the counter with like her butt on the counter and her feet on the island. Um, She didn't let the dog catch the mouse because it was close to like a trap. And she was afraid the dog's paw was going to go in the trap and it would get hurt. Oh, right. But Ginger is motivated to catch that mouse. Zoe doesn't care. Zoe doesn't care at all? No. That kind of surprises me. <clears throat> me too, because she's gone after bunnies and squirrels, yeah. much like Boba. But Ginger's Zo- very mouse motivated. Zoe's just kind of like a crazy dog, and I, I'm, I'm having a hard time imagining her ignoring anything. I don't know if you've spent enough time <coughs> around her with Ginger. Oh, okay. Because her, her personality has changed a little bit. With Ginger, she's just like... Most of the time, she's just laying there hoping Ginger leaves her alone. Yeah. Ginger's a puppy. Yeah. And Zoe is not a puppy anymore. So, and it never really acted like a puppy anyway, because she had like a bad, abusive past and just didn't know how to dog because Mm -hmm. of the way she was treated. So, it's... Sometimes it's really cute because now that she sees the way Ginger acts, she's, like, trying to imitate her. Yeah. Like, my mom will watch her try to play with a toy, and then she'll stop and look at my mom like, is this right? Am I doing it right? It's <laughs> really cute. <laughs> but... Am and, I doing this right? Is this how it goes? Yeah, she'll, like, shake it around and make noises and then, like, look up, like, is this is what I do? I don't I get nothing out of this. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Um... This isn't for me. I'm <laughs> this doing this for, for your everybody benefit. else. Um, <laughs> she's the John Mulaney of dogs, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. Is this right? Am I doing this right? Is <laughs> this, this is purely for you. This is good, right? <laughs> um, but she, I mean, she likes playing with Ginger. Yeah. But she does the thing with Ginger that she used to do with Bo, which is like pretend she doesn't want to play. But when the humans aren't looking, she'll, like, antagonize. Yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty. It's, I, I like it. 
But yeah, she's now that there's a puppy in the house, she's like the chill one of the two. She's still the bigger barker, though. Yeah, right. She's still loud as hell. Yeah, she's super loud. I mean, she barks at me every time I come upstairs, if I'm downstairs. I'm like, I've been here the whole time. I live here. You know me. Can I talk about something? Yes. I made a weird throat noise. <laughs> you can talk about that if you uh, want. We could talk about your weird throat noises if you want. <laughs> nah, there, there's nothing to talk about. They yeah. just happen. Uh, I am officially a cowboy now. I renounce yes. my former life. Mm-hmm. I no longer wish to be one of you dwelling among the modern world. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. just a cowboy now. Now, he's a cowboy, baby. <laughs> You had to know that was coming. I did know it was coming. Because it's the joke I keep making every time Uh, you talk about being a cowboy. I got Red Dead 2, and I'm loving every second of it. Except online play, but I'll talk about that another time, or maybe never. (laughs) Because it just pisses me off. Very angry. Um, I love being a cowboy. It is so much fun. Uh, And I have two weeks off work here starting really soon. Lucky bastard. I know. It's so good. And I'm probably going to spend a significant amount of time being a cowboy. Yeah. That's It's, it's good. all I want. It's all I want to do. I mean, I don't blame you. That sounds fun. Yeah. I want to be a cowboy. You can be a cowboy. Eh. I mean, on the one hand, it would be fun. And on the other hand, I'd probably get bored with it in like five minutes. I'm just not a video game person. I don't know if you get bored. I mean, like, if you don't get frustrated, you'd have fun. I'd probably get frustrated. Okay. I get that. I'm saying. I get like, I'll get into a game for a little bit, but the open ended games just like, they don't really do it for me. I just don't. Yeah. I can't get into games. I. It's because I I never, I never really got to be a game person. Okay. Like, we didn't have consoles growing up until my brother was able to buy. His first one himself, which was a PlayStation 1. Okay. And I would, like, play games that he got and stuff, but I never had my own, and we were never allowed to spend a lot of time on them. Yeah. So I just never really got into it because I couldn't. Yeah, I get that. I think they're cool, and I have no problem with, like, people who their main hobby is video games. That's fucking fine. Yeah. Play video games. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I wish I could get more into it. I don't even play that many of them. I mean, you know. You, you don't know. anymore. You used to, like, be more into gaming than you are now, but you yeah. have too many other hobbies now. Well, that's the thing. Like, back in, back in even, co- I, this is a crazy <clears throat> thing, in college, I feel like I had more free time than I have now, which I know objectively is not true. Are but, you talking about the college times when you were also working, like, two jobs? That was towards the end. That <sighs> was towards the end. I don't know how you did that. That was, it was gross. I couldn't do, like, a part-time job when I was in college. It was tough. Yeah, you know, I don't think I ever talked about that on this podcast. No. But that was like basically my senior year was I uh, I, I had like a full-time job. <clears throat> yep. uh, and the thing is I took the job at GM. How did that work? I got laid off at one point and mm-hmm. then I decided to take a full course load. Mm-hmm. And then they brought me back and it was either like cancel all the classes too late to get a refund or quit my job. So I just did both. Yeah. So like an entire so, semester. So you chose the third option, the <laughs> the impossible option. It actually was impossible without both. the help of like my mom, like waking me up. Like Yeah, that's the craziest part of the story for you. It's yeah. or for me, is that like I know you and basically living with you half the time mm-hmm. and needing to wake you up. Yeah. 
you are impossible to wake up if you're like, if you don't want to get up, especially yeah. if you're sleep deprived. So now imagine it's like an hour and a half here, three hours there. Yeah. That's like, all I get a day. You were basically, you're, were, you, were you working midnights? Yeah, well, time? it was the late shift. So it, it might mean like working until as late as I think three was our absolute latest. Yeah. Morning. Then you'd like come home. Yeah. Sleep for like a couple hours. Yeah. Get up, go to class. Yeah. Come home, take a nap. Right. Get like two get hours up. in before work. That's impossible. Yeah. That's crazy. And it could not have been healthy. <laughs> no, I I remember specifically, I know I told you this. One time I was leaving the plant to head <clears> home and it's like three or four in the morning or something like that, whatever time it was. And I'm driving and I'm just crying for <laughs> no reason. Yeah. And just like a personal well, you're like meltdown. Sleep deprived. Yeah. And you can't process shit normally when you're like that. <laughs> not to mention, like, you have thyroid problems, like I have thyroid sure. problems. And Everything is thrown off anyways when you have thyroid problems. And yeah. then any other little thing goes wrong, like you don't get enough sleep, you get a little dehydrated. It's just like more sand in the gears. Like yeah. it just messes things up further. It's in <laughs> that is impossible to me. It was I don't impossible. know how you did it and I didn't. survived it. I didn't. I had help. I would not have been able to I, do that. But myself. you still did it with help, but <laughs> you still dragged out did of bed, it. you know. Oh, and bless your mom. She's yeah. such a sweetie and a good lady and <laughs> for helping you and, and dealing with your sleepy ass because it is yeah it is an issue. When it was really bad, I remember like uh, nights where like uh, if the plant was running <clears throat> kind of slow, I'd lean up against – I'd shoot the, the B-pillar seatbelt and it does this little thing where it torques and, and you know you shot it right. <laughs> and then instead of take it back to my station, I'd just lay there on the car and fall asleep standing up until the car moved again. <laughs> Uh, it was not a great time. No. I forget um, how we got here. I do, too. Oh, you said you felt like you had more free time when you were in college. And oh, then we yeah. talked about how you did that crazy thing where you had no free time. But, like, during, like, the major chunk of college, I feel like I had more free time than I have now. And I played more games than I do now. Uh, and so it's really weird. And to have a couple of weeks off is I feel like it's going to be a nice... It's nice. I've done it the last yeah. couple of years where I've taken off oh, a few weeks. You are so lucky. I Because there it. are so many people who have like blackout periods. You I can't know. take time off over the holidays. And yeah. it's so good that you get to use up your time that you're going to lose. If you ever hear me complain about my job, just hit me. Slap them in the face yeah. as hard as you, you can. You out there listening. You out there. Not, not just, me. Not just you, but everybody. Uh, Feel just free as to a, hit me. Just as a way of greeting. Just like you seem to <laughs> slap him real hard. He probably deserved it. <laughs> he, he probably deserved You're doing Billy Eichner again. I know. He I probably like deserved that. <laughs> um, um, I was yeah. I was reminded while we're talking about this time period when we were like in college, a memory of you. Okay. I don't even remember exactly what we talked about, but so you went, oh, my throat keeps doing that weird thing. <laughs> I think it's because I had Sodi. I'm so sorry. It's kind of gross. Right. Actually, I think it's uh, really funny. <laughs> I know. It's kind of a gross noise. Yarp. <laughs> it is a yarp kind of noise. <laughs> um, you and I have been friends since my freshman year of high yeah. school. Your sophomore year of high school, we were in gym class together. Right. It was first period, right? Uh, yeah, it was. It was first period. Fucking horrible way to start the day. The worst. And, the worst. And it's like cold because it's like September or whatever, yeah. and you're having to run outside. Those like fitness days and shit. 
I'm not sure I ever actually did any of those. I can't remember. You definitely did. Because you were only allowed to, like, not do so many of them. You definitely did them. I guess I must have, but I can't imagine doing it now. I know. Uh, I know I did them, and I hated them then. This was 2002, was it not? Um. It would have had to be. Maybe 2001 2001. into 2002. My freshman year was 2001. Yeah, but I mean, like, you start... In September, so it'd be... Right, but my freshman year was 2001 into 2002. Oh, okay. Then it must have been 2002. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense because I graduated in 06. I guess I'm just putting a pin on it because that means that it would have been like... that. That's 16 years ago. <clears throat> We've known each other that long. <laughs> it's a little bit ridiculous, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But anyways, the nature of our friendship was that like... We met then, we kind of became acquaintances, Mm -hmm. I eventually dated someone you were friends with, we became closer through that, and we stayed friends, but we Mm -hmm. always had like a kind of, not even on and off again, like we were always friends, but it was one of those friendships that like sometimes we were closer than other times, Sure. and there'd be like breaks in between where we just wouldn't talk for a while, Mm -hmm. especially when I went away to school, like I had a lot of friends like that, I'd come back home and just hit people up, Chris Brady's one of the people I think of, Yeah. and just pick up where we left off, and you were always one of those people, Yeah. so I don't remember what it was that... Like, you called me or I called you or what happened, but I remember being in my dorm room, and I might have been sitting on the floor. I remember just having, like, a really long conversation with you out of the blue, like, not having talked in a while. And I remember you were in college, too, because I remember vaguely talking about college. And we talked for, like, at least an hour, but we talked for a really long time. And I always enjoyed that about you, that we could, like, just pick up and talk like nothing happened. Yeah. And because we wouldn't see each other for a while. Sure. Well, and you then, know, it's like you're living in different places, you're you're busy, you got yeah, your... Yeah, and then, then you know, at you, that time I was, I was dating someone else, and every time that I would come home to visit, I'd spend a lot of my time with him, because obviously we were in a long-distance relationship, and yeah, that right. was an issue, so... I mean, the bastard could have come see me, but <laughs> not, you know, it's so it's done. It's cool. I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm over I'm it. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm over it. It's fine. <laughs> I don't have any bad feelings at all anymore at all. I am over it. It is fine. <laughs> he still could have seen me. Um, no, but it's just like a cute memory that popped in my head a vague memory that popped in my head when you were talking about being in college i don't remember precisely what that would have been but that's a really nice memory i feel like we talked about something having to do with space or stars or something i don't know why i'm thinking that that's pretty cool yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know why i have this disjointed memory (laughs) real hippie shit (laughs) i like it (laughs) um well, what do you say? Why don't, why don't we play this game that I'd like to play that we play sometimes? The game. A that I'm game? Yeah, it's just a little old thing we whipped up. A little old thing? It's called Truths and Fnews. Oh, that old thing. You need to tell me. You need to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me. It's time for Truths and Fnews. Time to play Truths and Fnews. Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing. Famous game. Famous game. The game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for Truths and Fnews. 
A Merv Griffin production. Yeah, that whole thing. Um, so I have a news quiz for you. A news quiz? Yes, perhaps you know the rules already. The game is trues and fnews. The goal is I provide Christy with one true story, mm-hmm. two false stories, and she has to discern the trues from the fnews or the true news from the false news. <gasps> Wait, what was that? I no, don't do the- it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, too. Could, I'm just I, being a dick. I was going to say, I could do it again. I will do it again on command. It's okay. All right. You ready to play? I'm ready. I'm ready to play. All right. Here we go. New story number one. Oh, goddamn. Okay, so every time I pick up my phone, it rotates and then rotates back and then it changes the scroll position. It's And now it's just bugging out on me. I hate this. Yep. Need to start a new Uh, document. Okay, here we are. (laughs) New story. I know. New story number one. The makers of Old Bay Seasoning are suing the makers of Primal Palette Seasonings over trademark infringement on their brand New Bay, spelled B-A-E. New Bay Seasoning. Number two. New statistics from the National Business Research Institute reveal virtually everyone, over 96% of users, are flushing their unflushable wet wipes. All right. And number three. Ransomware scammers Team Nexos go legitimate on the island of Chimera, setting up the world's first legitimate extortion company, complete with a board of directors, tech support, and public stock shares. Okay, I'm definitely going to need a recap here. All right, let's, uh, let's go through them again. News story number one. The makers of Old Bay Seasoning are suing the makers of Primal Palette Seasonings, over trademark infringement on their brand New Bay, spelled B-A-E. All right. Number two. New statistics from the National Business Research Institute reveal virtually everyone, over 96% of users, are flushing their unflushable wet wipes. Okay. Number three. Ransomware scammers Team Nexos go legitimate on the island of Chimera, setting up the world's first legitimate extortion company, complete with a board of directors, tech support, and public stock shares. Hmm. These are kind of tough. Yeah, I was hoping that might be the case. Yep. Yep. Okay, let me tell you my (laughs) shortened versions. Okay. Number one, Old Bay, jealous of New Bay. (laughs) I like the way you put that. (laughs) Number two, filthy flushers. (laughs) Filthy flushers. Number three... Make extortion legal again. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to say the true one is not Old Bay jealous of New Bay. Okay. Because I feel like that's just like not even a leg to stand on. Okay. Even though the company, company maybe was trying to like get away with a little something there. It's not the same name. It's not spelled the same. Like. Yeah. Um, second one, I don't think it's that one because we recently talked about this. Okay. And I feel like maybe you're using that as inspiration to make this up. Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is true. I just don't think that's the real headline. Okay. So by process of elimination, that means that number three, make extortion legal again, is the true one. I busted you. Uh, I busted you. Is it number two? 
It is not number two. I mean, it is, actually- it is number two, those filthy flushers. <laughs> no, for real, number one is the true story. Primal Palette Seasonings makes a seasoning called New Bay, spelled B-A-E. They know exactly what they're doing. <sighs> and Old Bay is taking them to court over it. That's stupid, but I also understand <laughs> how copyrights work, yeah, so I get it. I, but I would agree it's that it's stupid. stupid. I would it's agree that it's stupid. Yeah. It, <laughs> well, it's, it's like just alluding to something else is somehow infringement. Like, no one's going to get those mixed up, for one. Right. It's like they're not saying they are Old Bay. I guess maybe if the case is that you're trying to copy our spice and the whole thing is a part of the copyright, including mm. like what we put in it. Well, I guess maybe, but like it's definitely a seasoning meant to be similar to Old Bay, right? It's yeah, meant, it's I meant think, to be similar. And its I think name is the problem is in that and not necessarily with like the naming and stuff. It's a trademark case. Yeah, I don't know. You know, so if that's the case, it really comes down to the name. I understand why trademarking and copywriting and all this stuff is important. And yeah, like you do need to uphold it. But also sometimes it's just like, come on. I know. (laughs) So stupid. I think it's kind of stupid. Did we ever talk about. um, So my favorite murder is they've gotten bigger, bigger and bigger. We've talked about them a few times. Um, they have for a long time, and I hope it continues, had a pretty loose policy about their trademarking and stuff because they're very much a podcast like for the people. And so a lot of people make my favorite murder themed stuff and sell it on Etsy and all that stuff. Ooh, I just was thinking because you told me recently (laughs) they've started a, a podcast network. Yeah. This and, is going to uh, be in this the, is change, isn't the it? The hopes, I hope not. The The hope is that it's going to stay the way it's been. But a while ago, someone um, submitted like a copyright for my favorite murder, like some of the logos and designs and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't them. It was someone else. And it got thrown out. Like they got denied. A bunch of people got pissed. Yeah. And then they tried to come around and be like, no, we're doing this for the fans because we're afraid of someone else swooping in and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not how this works. If you get a trademark or a copyright, you have to enforce it. Yeah. Basically. And if you don't, you lose it. Right. So what you're saying is that you're doing this for the fans so no one else does this. But you've got but to target someone in, in order for it to be legit. In actuality, you would be hurting the other people that are doing, like, making this merchandise. Yeah. And it's not like anyone making <coughs> ridiculous amounts of money off of it. It's right. people selling it on their Etsy stores and people, like, actually making their own designs yeah. and being creative. You know what this reminds me of? Is the Fine Brothers React World oh, thing? God. Remember that? Fuck them! Yeah, the legendary Fine Brothers React World, where you could where you could license people reacting to <laughs> shit online. Yeah. Oh, and boy. they were trying to sue other people doing React videos. Yeah, right. Like you own the concept of some guy of watching reacting something to things. and then having a feeling about it. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, ridiculous. We've been doing that for ages. It's just called YouTube. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> just stop watching it. your your mom watch a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. 
It's like a homegrown idea that the fine, fine brothers, brothers totally burst owned. in through your front door. Yeah, get on the fucking ground. I saw you watch that video and then I saw you laugh at that her watching that video. <laughs> I saw you react to that. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, buddy, you get up against the wall. You're not allowed to react to things in this town. How did not we start talking about this like old news from like three years ago? <laughs> I don't know. This is so played out, but it's, it's okay. It's still kind it's of It's obviously here. we're so worked up about it. Yeah. Uh, you want to lead me into the middle segment? Yeah, so let's talk about the middle segment. Let's talk about what garbage people we are. I don't know what this is. You're gonna. We decided last week even, just one week ago, to spend an evening watching 90 Day Fiance. Let me be clear. It was Dave's idea. It is. It was my idea. It was. It actually was. I was surprised was. by that. I was surprised by that. I don't remember how the conversation came about, but basically you're like, can we watch 90 Day Fiance? It's <laughs> trash, but it's like the perfect trash TV. And I was like, I will not say no to that. I don't even think I went that far. I think I said, this show is so trashy. Do you want to be a garbage person with me? I think you did say that, but you did say something <laughs> about the fact that it's like the perfect example of trash TV. Maybe I did. Maybe eventually. I don't yeah, think I maybe led not. With that. And maybe you didn't lead with it, but it was a part of the conversation. So I've now watched like the entire first season of this show. Uh, yeah. So we watched like an episode or two together that night. One. Yeah. And then I came back like a few days later yeah, and you're like, like I'm more. in season two. <laughs> Have you watched any? And I was like. No, no, because it's been two days. Yes. And also, I don't work from home. Right. And get to watch things in the background. Yes, that was that was uh, something that happened. (laughs) I don't know why I I don't normally. In fact, I typically really kind of look down on wasting my TV time. Yeah, because there's so much stuff to watch. So it's like I like to prioritize stuff. Yeah. That I feel like is good enough to warrant the time I put into it. 90 Day Fiance is not that. Mm-mm. It really doesn't deserve your time. But it's like, I don't know, it's like any other shitty habit. Yeah. Where it's just like it calls to you because it's wrong. <laughs> and then once you start doing Watch it, you're just comfortable. Me, yeah, right. Watch us. Watch us be terrible. <laughs> Watch me be a horrible person. Uh, I have some very strong feelings at this point about it, which are mostly that I just can't stand any of the Americans. Isn't it weird how you get you form these relationships with people on TV that you don't know? Yeah. Just like you hate them or you love them or you're rooting for them or you're not. Like, And the thing is, we know enough about reality TV to know that that's not a reflection of that person. We are yeah. seeing a heavily edited, carefully selected narrative about yeah. that person put together by a reality producer who's paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to do that. Yeah. You said that in one breath. <laughs> in season one, there's like, you're right. Like the only people I really like are the ones not from America. And I don't even like all of them. No, I don't either. I like some of them. Yeah. There's one in particular that I'm like, oh, you sweet angel baby. Like she's yeah. so cute and sweet and nice and is really trying. And this the is the girl that ends with, up with the Mormon, right? Yeah. The well, person she's, she's with too. is just like, ugh, yeah. so awful. <laughs> yeah. They're all bad. Is it's it- like. Awful under the guise of being religious. Yeah. It's like, no, you're just like using this as another way to control her because you know she's out of your league, buddy. Yeah, that's the, that dude, that dude has got to know 
big time. Like, oh, he does because at one point he said something along the lines of like, it makes him mad that when they're out together, oh yeah, people compliment her and say you're beautiful, but they don't compliment them together and say you're a cute couple. Yeah, and I'm like, here's the thing. He's not a bad-looking guy. He's, yeah, he's average. Fine. Like, he's, he's attractive. He's okay. She's really gorgeous. She's a very attractive person. Just, like, yeah. above average attractive. Yeah. And she's, like, what, from Brazil or something. So she's got, like, more of a shot at that. Than yeah, I can't remember where she's from. It's bugging me, actually. I think at Brazil. Okay. So <clears throat> she's just a very beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't take that from her because you feel, I don't know, insecure about it. Yeah. She's really gorgeous. You got really lucky yeah. that you are with such a beautiful person who also seems like genuinely sweet and nice and to care about him. Yeah. So I'm see, see like I have this relationship with these people that <laughs> yeah, like right. it's totally made up. We have the, all these ideas Ugh. and it's, it's a very carefully presented version of these people. They're clear. Oh, yeah. They must have more oh, yeah. depth than this, but it's. It's it's bizarre to watch. It's bizarre to watch. I found so how ridiculous. much I liked this, and I really didn't want to love it as much as I did. <laughs> uh, Have you watched more? Uh, I haven't watched any more probably since we last sat down to watch it again. All right. But uh, Well, you have had um, cowboy time. That's true. I've been a cowboy ever since. I'm a cowboy right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but I don't know. I, th- I just thought it might be just like, I, I don't know. I thought we should talk about it because it, I feel like it's revealing of a lot of things. It reveals things to me about how I feel about people. And, um, and gosh, like the one dude who's from Cleveland and his family is just Ugh, like so His family's nasty. the worst. And I'm like, you. You realize we're talking about like season one of 90 Day Fiance. I know, like, and I'm most like, of the people I know didn't start watching till like maybe two seasons ago. Probably. <laughs> so no one knows what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right. But it's just like all these totally just super average or below average dudes who like essentially import a human being and then yeah. don't even bother to clean their homes or like like try i guess <clears throat> it's just it's so insane to me cleveland guy took the girl to uh new york first like oh, met yeah, her in right. new york and then went to cleveland and we're like why are you doing that <laughs> i i mentioned that at work too uh it was just like yeah this- why are you taking her to like a great city and then <laughs> taking her to cleveland to live he thought the right thing to do was hey this is what america looks like now, now let's, let's go to this now let's go to america's asshole <laughs> like oh geez like i just i kept feeling i told them at work i was watching it going Oh no, he's gonna take her to Cleveland. Yeah, no. <laughs> not so good. That wasn't received very well uh, where I work in Akron. They, yeah, they didn't think that was as funny as I did. <laughs> <sighs> they need to get over themselves. Yeah, whatever. Akron, we have issues with too. <clears throat> yeah, Akron, <laughs> a city that has disappointed me many times. Yeah, and, uh, and shows now me no sign of stopping. And now one you. time. Yeah. And I'm sure counting. <laughs> Did we even talk about that on the podcast? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then you guys know what's up. Yeah, this is the Gilmore Girls thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, shit. Uh, I feel like we've approached a natural stopping point here. Yeah, and I'm really excited for this topic. So I'm really excited. Take a little break, break. We'll take a break. We'll come back in a minute with the main segment, which I still don't know what it is. Uh-huh. Uh, in, uh, well, just... you'll soon find out. I bet I will. 
Or maybe I won't tell you what it is and just talk about weird little things and not, like, give you the real truth. Okay. That's cool. We'll see what happens. We'll just, it's, wow, what an adventure. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back in a minute. Stick around. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. We're back. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the main segment. So <laughs> well, nice to you. have you here. Thank you for having and, me. And Dave mm-hmm. doesn't know what this is about. I have so no idea what this is. Let me tell you a little story. <laughs> Dave had originally assigned me a topic, but then he felt like maybe I wasn't that into the topic, which I was into it fine. Yeah. But he was like, if you find something that you're more into, do that. And yes. I was like, okay, this research is always better if we're like excited about it. Yeah. Well, I hadn't gotten around to doing the research yet the other day when I was listening to an episode of MFM, My Favorite Murder, and it was a mini-sode. Okay. Which I've talked about it before on here, I think, but basically people, it used to be people would email in their hometown murders or like the, the true crime event that like got them into true crime. But it kind of evolved into, like, anything interesting. Just email them anything interesting. Sure. And this person um, emailed and said that they had been part of an enthusiastic sobriety cult for two years. Um, they didn't even realize it was a cult until their friend suggested they watch a documentary called The Group. Uh, which is a crowdfunded documentary available on YouTube for free. It's about an hour and a half by a guy named Jake McIndoller. Okay. I am in my car listening to this and immediately went, shit, that's like, I need to watch that. This is what I need <laughs> to do the research on. Yeah. So um, the group- This is cool. This Okay, so- a sobriety, a sobriety cult, an enthusiastic yes. sobriety cult. Yes. And well, I'm already skeptical this- of them. This person, the one they were a part of was called um, the Palmer Drug Abuse Program or PDAB. Hmm. Or PADAB, I think that's That sounds familiar it. to me. Um, some of this stuff might, but I'll, I wanted to introduce it that way just by giving a shout out to my favorite murder and the person who wrote into them yeah. saying, you know, they realized years and years later and they were lucky enough to like get out and not suffer too much harm from it. Right. Um, isn't always the case with yeah. these groups. And just wanted to acknowledge that. But this episode is about the group. Okay. Uh, Bob Meehan and enthusiastic sobriety cults. I just, I'm inherently <laughs> skeptical of people happy to be sober. Well, and this is reminiscent. I wanted to point out reminiscent of Synanon. It's a charismatic founder with very particular ideas. Yeah. Um, they do use cult tactics. Uh, it's a rehab program, except these are geared towards kids. Yeah, I'm going to need a beer for this, I think. Yeah. 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 A beer. I tried not to go too dark on this, but I mean, it kind of is what it is. Mm-hmm. So the groups in question here are specifically called Pathway, Crossroads, 
Insight, Cornerstone, and Palmer Drug Abuse Program until 1980. Okay. Um, they were all founded and or affiliated with a man named Bob Meehan. M-E-E-H-A-N. Okay. I wrote, well then, who is this Bob Meehan feller? <laughs> you might have been playing Red Dead Redemption or about to play Red Dead Redemption <laughs> when I was feller? writing this down. Um, Who's this feller? <laughs> he's a former heroin addict and convicted felon. After getting out, um, he attended some like AA meetings at Palmer, Palmer Memorial Episcopal Church. Okay. Um, Father Charles Wyatt Brown, in an er- part of an interview I saw, I think it was part of the documentary, the group um, mentioned that Bob Meehan was attending this session and they were discussing how to go about getting jobs and whether or not they should try to like be very honest about their alcoholism and drug addiction with mm-hmm. future potential future employers or if they should keep it on the down low. Okay. And Bob Meehan was of the opinion that you should be radically honest with them. Yeah. You should put it all out there be like, hey, this is my past, so you know about it. Not doing that anymore. I'm trying really hard to get on my feet and not have that be a part of my life. Yeah. But you need to know that is part of who I was and what I did and, you know, I'm working on it. That actually seems like good advice. Yeah. Um, Might not be advice for everyone, but that that was his approach. Yeah. And Father Charles Wyatt Brown really appreciated that. And so he offered uh, Bob Meehan a job. Okay. It was basically a job as a custodian with the church. But he had noticed some kids, some local kids who were coming to the church that were dealing with addiction and stuff and thought that maybe Bob would be a good person to help them. So he said, hey, like this, you're a custodian, but if you see these kids and you notice them having issues, you know, pay attention to that and maybe try to help them. And if things aren't cleaned perfectly... I'll let that pass because this is kind of what I want you to focus on. Okay. So, which in my head, I'm like kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of like this is just a dude that you hired to be the janitor, right? Like you yeah. don't have any any a, other. A man who was like a, a a former felon and like. And for some reason now he's your head of child outreach. Basically. And so it started with a few kids um, and then it grew and basically got really popular and so they officially founded um the palmer drug addiction program okay um where am i at here so that was good for a while and then some stuff started coming out about bob Meehan. maybe not what you think not maybe not where your mind is immediately going because you could yeah because naturally i'm like okay what happened to the kids as well, uh, aside from the things I'm going to talk about that happen in these these cults, it doesn't seem like Bob Meehan is sexually abusing anybody or physically abusing anybody um, from all the exposés and stuff that I saw in mm-hmm. bits and pieces I took in. People aren't even No one's talking that, about really? that. Okay. Um, but Dan Rather does a 60 Minutes episode on Bob Meehan. Wow. Um, ABC 15 in Arizona, which I'm pretty sure is where um, this program was founded, was in Arizona. Okay. Also do a report on Bob Meehan. 
and the group. Um, so in the ABC 15 episode, they actually interviewed Steve Hassan. Oh, really? Yeah. Our good friend, Steve Hassan. He's not, he's not our friend. He doesn't know who we are, but we, I love him. Um, we've talked about him multiple times. He was in the Moonies and now he helps to get people out of cults and he's a lawyer and he's very good at that. He's a deprogrammer. Is he a, a lawyer or? I think he's also an attorney. Yeah. He's an attorney um, and cult deprogrammer. It's not the term he uses, but that basically is what he is. Yeah. And he's he's good at what he does. But they interviewed a much younger Steve Hassan, um, and he said it has all the hallmarks of a cult, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, And he named some of the things that they seem to do that make him think that if it's not already, it's on its way to being a dangerous group. Like trademark manipulative behaviors and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, other things they mention in the 60 Minutes episode in ABC 15, Bob Meehan is super racist. Um, oh, really? Uses the N-word a lot. Really? In, in the group. I didn't see that coming. In in the documentary, The Group, they show bits and pieces of the ABC 15 um, report, and they have video of him using the N-word like, over and over and over again. It's <laughs> weird. Um, and mean, also based off another article I saw, he really racist, basically insinuates black people and Mexicans are less than. Also says things like uh, being gay is a sign of addiction. And that um, if you were molested or abused, you essentially brought it on yourself. Wow. Um, so not good. That's like the holy things. trinity of shitty beliefs. Yes. Not good things and especially not good beliefs to put on kids who clearly have problems. Yeah. Already. So not great. Um, the Dan Rather program also exposed the fact that Meehan was receiving payments from local hospitals for each young person he committed. Oh. Some as young as 11 or 12. To, uh, to, to mental hospitals? Yes. Well, to like program, like abuse, oh. drug abuse, rehab programs. Oh, okay. Um, so what they do is like people would come into his outpatient program and sometimes he would commit them to like a rehab for like 30 days or whatever. And then they come back to his outpatient program. Yeah. And he was getting money for every kid he brought to those programs. Wow. Um, he also claimed that... PDAP had 65 to 80% success rate. And when pressed for evidence on that, because that's absurd. Yeah, right. That's not even like even ballpark the for any best treatment program. rehabs, I think it's like 25%. I think you're right. It's in the 20s. It's um, low. So when pressed for evidence of that, he kind of stepped down on that claim. But that was like shady. They're like, no. So th- these things come out and PDAP is like, yeah, we can't have this associated with us. So they ask him to step down. So uh-huh. he does. He then moves to San Diego and opens a program called Freeway and a for-profit, basically, instead of an outpatient program, it's like a, a home program called Slick Ranch. It's <laughs> Slick stands for something. <laughs> I didn't write down what it stood for. It wasn't important. Slick, Slick Ranch. Ranch is better. So it sounds kind of skeezy. Right. It just sounds like a whole bunch I, of buttered up cowboys. Spelled, <laughs> I think it is spelled S-L-I-C because I think that's the acronym. Yeah, but I like to imagine just a bunch of greased up cowboys. They're all cowboys. Yeah. 
That's, um, that's what I'm picturing now. <laughs> but he didn't quite get away scot-free. Consumer rights groups, former members, and the DA all made his life difficult mm. when he moved to San Diego. Um, so free, Freeway and Slick Ranch were ordered to be shut down. Um, oh, wait. I missed a line here. The DA uncovered that Meehan was operating unlicensed drug and alcohol abuse facilities. No one, including himself, were properly trained or certified. Again, just like Synanon. Yeah. Committing people essentially against Except their will. Except they went after him. Yeah, right. They actually went after him. They actually did something about it. Meehan appealed and tried to retroactively apply for a license. He was denied on the basis that he was not reputable or of responsible character. Okay. But the DA did not pursue criminal investigation against uh, Bob Meehan. Less than a year later, Freeway and Slick reopened under a new director who was selected by Bob Meehan. Sure. And had previously been helping run Slick Ranch. So it wasn't like he chose someone completely unrelated to this. He chose a friend. Yeah. He found a friend. And more than likely someone that he felt he could control because, you know, people don't, people like mm-hmm. this don't really like to just give up their baby. This is, um, this becomes a pattern with Bob Meehan because mm-hmm. he soon figured out that he needs to keep an appropriate distance. But what he can do is promote from within yeah. and get people who are already affiliated with his programs, who he trusted to be the owners of these programs. Sure. Um, I don't talk about these people too, too much, but two names that come up a lot are Frank Zatka and Clint Stonebreaker, who are still currently affiliated with these programs. Currently? Yes. Like they're still around? Are still around. Okay. That's, wow, that's depressing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So he is able to avoid scrutiny. And this reminds me of L. Ron Hubbard, like in Scientology. At some point he took a step back. Right. Um, Simultaneously he was in coming charge the gun. and and outside the organization yes. enough to not be liable. So he basically, the way he gets around this and makes money through these programs is through consultation and appearance fees. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's still involved. I'm pretty sure as recently as 2012, um, there is a YouTuber doesn't even have that many followers, but yeah. I started looking around on YouTube for the stuff and he came up. I'll talk about him a little more later. Okay. His name is DJ Existential. It's the letter X I S T E N T I A L. Existential. Yes. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um so according to him, uh, and stuff I'll talk about later about him, uh, it seems that Bob Meehan is still around. Okay. Um, so Bob Meehan is a piece of shit, <laughs> but All right. maybe the programs aren't so bad. Yeah, no, let's talk about that. Okay. The programs themselves. Yeah. So, um, according to the insight program, which is one of those groups that is a part of these Bob Meehan programs. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about what is enthusiastic sobriety. Sure. Yeah, because that's a that's not a uh, exactly a common we turn of we phrase. Don't say that. Yeah. So, um, enthusiastic sobriety is based on the belief that in order for substance abuse treatment to be effective for young people, it must be fun and feel good. Um, they focus on as little restriction as possible, and they're 
I'll talk about some of that other stuff later. But basically, very few restrictions. There's only three rules. Okay. No fixing, no fucking, no fighting. As long as you don't do any of those three things. No fixing, meaning like don't try to fix someone else's problems. Don't try to fix someone. Oh, I thought just don't get your fix, whatever it is. Um, that's not the way I took it, but they don't really go into that. So maybe that's what they're implying. But I took it as like, we're not trying to fix anyone here. Okay. Um, so no fixing, no fucking, no fighting. No fucking, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, there are accounts of like everyone's doing that. There's some some fucking. Yeah, these are teenagers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Basically, like very little. There's supervision, but like not really. So. And literally anything else goes. Smoking's encouraged. Um, there you're basically you go in and you're handed a pack of cigarettes okay. is what several people said. Um, there's video of the outpatient programs and these kids just like smoking and jumping around and being <laughs> crazy. Like it's just teenagers unleashed. Yeah. Um, in the documentary, the group, there were people saying that like you could literally literally go into someone's house, like who's a member of the group, and just break their shit. And that's fine. That's fine. You can do that. I don't understand that. Why would that be okay to them? Because their parents, you're not doing drugs. Their parents are part of the group. And well, they're not part of the group themselves, but their parents are paying for this. Yeah. And they're told, like, no, this is the way we have to do it. These kids are going through this program. They're not doing drugs. They need to, this needs to be fun and exciting. They need to not have other restrictions because that's why they, part of why they got into this in the first place. This is a disastrous recipe Which is, for a future I'm generation. Sorry, for most people who have like addictive tendencies yeah. or, you know, the disease of addiction, Lack of boundaries is the worst fucking possible yeah. thing. It doesn't seem like good advice. It's, I mean, like, right. you know, like when, when I stopped smoking and started using this vape thing and said it was really hard at first, but I had a rule. I just I like had to I had to limit myself. Yeah. And I couldn't just do every other thing either. You know, right. I couldn't just I can't just run around my house busting stuff because I don't like that. I'm not smoking cigarettes right now. Yeah. One person in the documentary mentioned something that I thought was kind of poignant, which is there was this, he mentions that it was as though because they accomplished getting sober, there was a sense of entitlement to doing anything else they wanted. Uh That was encouraged in this group. Um, Only problem is that some of them weren't getting sober. They already were. Oh. So after being recruited, they wanted to belong. So they exaggerated. The guy who made the documentary, Jake Mackendaller, yeah, basically says like I there's like video of him admitting like oh I was smoking pot at like age thirteen and drinking and blah and he's like yeah. then none of that happened. <laughs> I didn't do that. Like, he somehow, he got in the door, he got involved with this group. His dad was an alcoholic. Yeah. And his dad eventually took his own life. And he was kind of afraid that he was going to become one because people always say, like, it could be genetic. Yeah. But he hadn't done any of that. He got into the group. I forget how he was introduced to it. But then you're just, 
It was like he felt like he belonged and he wanted to stay there. Yeah. And then he just bought into all the things they were telling him. And one of the things that they say is, you leave this group, you'll die in under a year. Because of your addiction, because of your problems, you leave and you'll die. Wow. So you need to stay and you need to follow the program and follow our rules and have us make your decisions for you. First of all, lots and lots of addicts go on for much longer than a year with the bad behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like a crazy thing to say to people. He's not the only one who says, yeah, I wasn't an addict. Yeah, like I didn't I really that. have these problems. There were multiple people in the doc, multiple people in the documentary that were like, oh no, yeah, like that was super exaggerated or like, yeah, I did have problems, but I was a teenager. Yeah. Like who didn't try some shit? Yeah, right. He interviews his stepdad and his mom and- they weren't really happy about judging all this stuff back up. But his stepdad was like, I never thought you had a problem. I thought you were just a teenager. I thought you were just trying shit out. I honestly didn't think you had a problem until you started going there. That's so weird. And what's interesting is it did seem like a lot of these kids, like there were a lot of affiliated programs in different places. And he started at one and then eventually moved to one in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Um, which was hours away. And he moved there. He was 16. He moved there by himself. Yeah. And he stayed with like parents of other kids who were in the program. And he he asked like his parents, like, what do you feel when I just moved away? Like this wasn't a short little me going for treatment. This was like me moving away at 16. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking to hear this from them, but I'm sure it's something they've worked through. But his stepdad was like, honestly, at that point, relief, because we just couldn't deal with it anymore. Because they, I'll get into this later, but the way the program works, it's a paid program. Uh They were under a lot of financial stress because of it. And now they have a kid who's being instructed to do whatever the fuck he wants yeah. and they have no say over it. It's crazy. It's like, uh, it's, um, what's the, uh, what's the, <laughs> the island of like lost kids and from Misfit Hook. toys? <laughs> no. That's what came to my head. The, the, the kids from Hook that just run around doing oh, whatever, yeah. like a whole kid tribe. It's like what it sounds like. Is they, they've encouraged kids to express their worst behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, that they're entitled to do so. Well, let's talk about the money part of it now, because the program is five grand minimum for treatments. Wow. Um, The parents, these parents didn't know where to turn. They were desperate. Yeah. They find this and they say, okay, like you can fix my kid. Okay. Like, fine. They end up spending a lot of money. Um, One person said she spent her inheritance uh, from her father getting her kids to do this, like paying for them to do this. Yeah. Um, Jake McIndoller, when he moved when he was 16, his parents were like, fine, you want to go, go, but we can't pay for it anymore. So you take your inheritance from your father and you can pay with that. But we're not doing it. We can't handle it. Wow. They were financially strapped. Yeah. So he did. (laughs) And he said he has not a penny left. He put all of it when he was 16 into this treatment program. That's awful. Yeah. Um, so the counselors are former members. They're very young a mm-hmm. lot of times. 
sometimes just 18. And they've been in the program for years. Yeah. Um, they're responsible for finding kids for the program, finding kids who need this treatment. Uh, how do they know who needs the treatment? There's two answers. Um, the first proper answer is, you know, kids who are using or abusing substances, you know, alcohol, drugs. The second more truthful answer is anyone they can get. Yeah. Thus the exaggeration. Yeah, and also once they you, get you in, you have to prove that you belong. Yeah, like you have to convince someone else that they have <clears throat> some kind of problem mm -hmm. and that they'd be better off with you. And then once they're in, they have to justify being in with you because yeah. they clearly love the the community. Yeah. And this was something that I thought was really awful. One of the former counselors said they didn't refer out patients who needed real help or help for other issues. If someone was depressed or suicidal, they didn't go get them real help. Yeah. They said the root of your issues is your addiction, your substance abuse. So this is where you need to be because they needed to keep the members in. Um, they wow. also pulled patients out of other programs, like programs for depression and stuff. Like programs for, like real programs that actually yeah. might help people. Yeah, to get them into this program. No so kidding. it seems like all of this is for money. You know, if you you don't care about their well-being, you just want them in, you want ahead, so parents pay. Right. Where's the money going? Well, it seems like at least some of the counselors are paid less than minimum wage. I mentioned DJ Existential. Yeah. Um, he, I'll talk a little more about his story later, but when he left, it was because he was a counselor and he was fired. And the reason he was fired is because he refused to work 60-hour weeks for less than the federal minimum wage. No shit. He said, no more. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, boy, bye. And they fired him. Wow. So if the money's not going to the people doing the basically kids doing the counseling. Yeah, a lot of money at that. Uh-huh. Like 5000 a head. Yeah. To at least to get started. Then where's the money going? And it seems like it all goes up lines. It goes to Bob Meehan and his wife Joy and Clint Stonebreaker, um, his son-in-law, and his wife Wendy. Uh, oh, and shit. I'm assuming the other heads of these programs, the people who run it. Um, so we know they recruit whoever they can get. Yeah. They follow a, basically like a 12-step program, though they kind of manipulate these steps a little bit. And I'll okay. talk about how. But I just want to talk about what the 12 steps in this program are. Okay. Um, so we can follow along with it. Just need to... Sorry, I'm like kind of raspy. I'm kind of cold. <laughs> um, well, you're cold? Yeah. No. I'm, I'm always cold. But you have here. hedgy blankie. I do have hedgy blankie. Oh. I'm still cold. I forgot to tell you. Uh, I have a blue hedgehog upstairs. What? A, <laughs> a blue hedgehog toy that I got at work is upstairs. We'll talk about that later. Okay. I'm like, is this like <laughs> no, a not reference relevant. To, not, not relevant to is anything. Is this dirty? I don't know what I'm <laughs> what? supposed to take from this. <laughs> No. Um, for some reason, my first thought in my head was blue waffle. <laughs> that's why I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not a thing. That's not a thing. 
Everyone okay. stop thinking that's a thing. Stop thinking that's a thing. Okay, the 12 steps according to the Palmer Drug Abuse Program on their current website. Mm-hmm. Number one, we admitted that mind-changing chemicals had caused at least part of our lives to become unmanageable. Number two, we found it necessary to stick with winners, in quotes, in order to grow. Number three, we realized that a higher power expressed through our love for each other could help restore us to sanity. Mm. Number four, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Number five, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number six, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongdoings. Number seven, we became willing to allow our higher power through the love of the group to help change our ways of life and humbly asked him to help us change. Number eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And number nine, we made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them, others, or ourselves. Number 10, we have continued to look at ourselves and when wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, We've sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with our higher power that we have chosen to call God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and courage to carry that out. Number 12, we, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, tried to carry our love and understanding to others and to practice these principles in our daily lives. These are pretty basic 12 steps. Yeah, but how do you square all this, like, do no (laughs) harm shit with, like, you can do whatever you want to? Very interesting that, they like, because um, it does adopt the sort of, like, s- strictures of, like, most 12-step programs. Yeah. And a kind of cool thing that they do in the documentary, the group, is that they, they'll they put the the step, they go from 1 to 12. Yeah. They put it on the screen, and then they'll talk about stuff kind of relating to it, and then they'll put the next one up. Sometimes it's more directly related than others. Yeah. But it was a nice way to break it up and explain the steps. Okay. Um, and how they related to everything going on in the group. So okay. some that kind of had direct connections with things they discuss. So number two is we found it necessary to stick with winners in order to grow. Yeah. Hang out with your buds, all your sober buds. What this translated to in real life, though, was that you disconnect from anyone not in the program. Oh, so they go that extra step farther. Yeah. So you don't hang out with your old friends, especially not friends you're doing drugs with, um, unless you get them in the group. Um, you spend all your time with members of the group or even alienated from your family. Wow. Um, it alienates members from any outside support system. Yeah. It's not related to the group. Number three, which was we realized the higher power expressed through our love for each other could help restore us to sanity. The group becomes the higher power. Sure. Uh, given the guise of freedom, but the group has control. You're told your decisions have led you to this point. You're clearly not good at making them. <laughs> um, let the program make decisions for you. Also, I reiterated again, you're told you will die in under a year if you leave. Um, they do something called wedging, which is staying up all night for at least 24 hours until you feel loopy, like as a replacement for doing drugs. Wow. But (laughs) they call it wedging because you get to that point where like a thought will get wedged in your brain. Sure. Um, 
This is sleep deprivation? Yes, it is. Also, they do a thing called round robin. So you stay up all night. And then around two or three in the morning, that's when you have group therapy. Oh, wow. And these are huge groups sometimes. They are pushed to share very personal stories of abuse. Um, No, one of the former counselors, former members who became a counselor said something that she felt awful about and is shocked by is the fact that sometimes this is like, these are minors talking about being molested, being raped. Yeah. Not once did she see them ever take legal action on the behalf of these kids. Now, if this were a credible program, yeah. they would be required to. Yeah, right. They'd be required to report things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another counselor said that in these therapy sessions, this was a really um, sad part of the documentary because they interviewed someone who had taken part in these therapy sessions, and he, the counselor would explain the kinds of things they would do and she would explain the kinds of things that were done and and how awful it was yeah. in her experience. And he expressed extreme regret that he did this. These are not trained people. Yeah. These are not counselors. And it seems a big part of their theory was to feel out the emotions. So they encourage people to talk about really big stuff, really personal things in a group environment that's co-ed. So this could be young girls in a group where there are boys talking about being molested or being raped. Yeah. And the more emotional you get, they poke, poke, poke more and push you to tell more because you need to feel out the emotions. That's awful. I need to get them out. That's as traumatic. Though, mm-hmm, as though if you get them all out at once, you'll never feel them again. That's not how it works. That's not how feelings work. Um, it's not how trauma works. It's not how any of this works. Yeah. So, um, they, they're they made to feel wrong if they don't want to talk about it. And, yeah, just discussing abuse in a group environment and in the middle of the night when yeah. you're, you're like, sleep-deprived and susceptible to all kinds of shit. Like, yeah. this super is- not good. And it's, it's not therapy. It's not counseling. It's... Just like reopening wounds. Yeah, like the the right way to talk about this kind of stuff is in a safe, closed environment. Like where there's like intimacy and trust with like a counselor or a friend or family or something. Yeah. But it's not to be like poked and prodded and information pulled out of you in front of people in a vulnerable environment. Yeah. So then um, among the members, there are certain... Elite members. Okay. There's the steering committee. So basically it's like um, if you're a member and you're in good standing, you're doing really good, someone might be like, oh, hey, help our counselors. You're still a member, but you're going to help us out. Yeah. So that's the steering committee. And within the steering committee, you can be a counselor's aide or a staff, also called a staff aide. And this is kind of like a stepping stone to eventually becoming a counselor. Yeah. Which it seemed like a lot of these kids did. Now, the staff, the people working, these counselors, aren't immune to these kinds of tactics and these, this therapy. Yeah. Um, they had what they called purpose meetings that were really intense and would put people on blast. Um, so Jake McIndoller, Clint Stonebreaker was in charge of this, um, the group that he was in. Okay. In Atlanta. 
And he said he knew he was Clint's, Jake was like Clint's golden boy. He okay. really took him under his wing. He even lived with him for a little while when he first moved there. Um, and most of the time, <coughs> Clint never really put him on the spot until the days that he did. Yeah. And and he said he had this feeling when he Clint did that to him that he was just being abused to be put in his place. Like, to make him not forget where he was in yeah, this like organization. The, there's no therapeutic value to yeah. what's happening here. And it, in the documentary, Jake mentions this to someone else who was a counselor and was like, yeah, like, you always saw that. Wow. And I think that's one of the reasons you got it less from him than the rest of us did is because you were a little more wise to it from day one than we were. But wow. he kind of got that feeling when it was done to him, like, oh, he's just, like, keeping me where he needs me and not letting me get too far ahead of myself here. Yeah, like, not get too big for his britches yeah. kind of thing. That's crazy. Um, and this is, this is we're talking about staff. We're talking about, this like, is a, staff. like, a limited number of staff who there's a need to, like, control yeah. people and, and uh, make them remember who's boss yeah. amongst each other. If a member or a counselor leaves... They're shunned. I mean, they're not in the group anymore. Um, in this group, you're not taught real life roles or skills. Yeah. I mean, you're taught you can do whatever the fuck you want with no consequence, and it's encouraged. That's crazy to me. Like, what does life look like then? Mm-hmm. That person who wrote in to My Favorite Murder about this mentioned this and basically <clears throat> said the reason he left is basically he... Or it might have been she um, grew up and just matured and went, this is crazy (laughs) and got out, but still knew other people that they were friends with from the group who still lived like that. Like they weren't able to get past that because that was a huge part of their childhood. Yeah. Like your formative years, you're just taught to be completely selfish and do whatever you want and not follow society's rules and not deal with consequences. Wow. So you're a kid. Go ahead. Smoke. Go ahead. Break shit if you feel like it. No one can get mad at they you. They even let Do the little want. kids smoke? They're, they're like, encouraged to smoke <laughs> at any age in there. That's ridiculous. You're basically handed a pack of cigarettes. That's so weird. Like, how could anyone find that to be a good idea? And if you're a kid, you're going to a group and you're handed a pack of cigarettes, you're probably like, I'm really fucking cool shit. <laughs> I'm cool as hell. Yeah. Check out this pack of Marlboros I just got. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you're not taught real life skills or how to, like, function in society. Yeah. You're alienated from your outside support system. You've got little to no money, no marketable skills. And then you're just, if you leave, that's it. You're then, excommunicated, you're shunned, you're disconnected, whatever you want to call it. But it's hard to imagine people never leaving because what is this, just a bunch of grown children forever? Like, it's, it's hard to you imagine. You go from being a member to being a counselor. Gotcha. That's And it seems like that's the course a lot of these people took. Um, I have a couple more stories. I'm almost done. Okay. Um. One is from someone called Jim Jones, obviously not the real name, <laughs> but when Jake McIndoller, he'd been out for a while, um, he saw a profile on Facebook by someone by the name Jim Jones, 
um, obviously as a reference. Um, but he, this profile was kind of created as like the stereotypical profile of a kid who would have been in one of these programs. Yeah. And then the, he's, Jake started reconnecting with other people and talking to other people who had been on the programs and, and discussing it and realizing his experiences were really common and a lot of other people he knew had gotten out and he decided to do this documentary. Um, he interviews Jim Jones. They only call the person by that name. Yeah. And their voices altered and their faces blurred out. Um, but Jim Jones recounts a story where they say um, they know that one member was wedged, um, so forced to stay up all night, and told to call their parent, one who was not already involved, the one who wasn't on board, basically. Yeah. And threaten to tell that parent that, or threaten that parent that they will tell people that they were molested by them, which was not true, unless they paid for the outpatient program. Oh my That's god. That's extortion. That's oh extortion. Oh my god. Um and then Jake asked Jim Jones, How do you know that story? How do you know that's true? And Jim Jones says, It was me. I was that kid. So he forced his parent to pay, he or she forced their parent to pay uh, under the threat that they would tell people they were molested, which was not true. That's... So this is one of the ways they're getting parents to pay for these programs. Maybe not every kid, but at least one, and that's too many. This is like the staff's idea to do this, like to, like to put this idea on this kid? I don't know if the idea came from the counselors, the, you know, basically kids who weren't trained. I'm sure it came from above. Yeah. But that's that's just up. one more story that was in the documentary. Um, and then I wanted to talk again again about DJ Existential. Okay. Um, he has a six or seven part series about this. It looks like he put it up on YouTube uh, about five months ago. Okay. Um, his first video in this series has 666 views or <laughs> likes or something like that. Very low. Okay. Like, and he doesn't have that many followers. I am now subscribed to his channel. Okay. Um, but I just found it because I was just searching for these precise things that he talks about. So in his first video, he says that he had a really bad LSD trip and he almost died. He Something happened and he almost bled out. Is this so, like before his joining the group? This is how he got into it. Okay. So because of that happening, he was kind of forced. He says he was tricked into rehab. I don't. He doesn't go into details about that, but sure. he got into rehab. And the rehab that he got into was the group. He was told many times, if you leave, you die. Yeah. And so this is a thing that isn't just from one source saying this, multiple people from different sources saying, you're told you'll die. Yeah. Um, and then he became a counselor uh, and then later fired for not wanting to work 60 hour weeks for less than the federal minimum wage. Yeah. And so now he's speaking out. And like I said, he has a six or seven part series, um, Maybe 25 comments on every video, if that. Okay. And multiple other comments are from people who are clearly in the group still. Um, like like it, talking shit? It reminds me of Scientology who will like plant people <clears throat> to like yeah. make comments. And it's clearly people 
who were either encouraged to do it or take it upon themselves to do it because they're brainwashed. Yeah. Being like, man, uh, I don't know what you're on about, but this group has really helped me, blah, blah, blah. Like, and he calls them out yeah. pretty clear, clearly. He's like, you brainwashed piece of shit. <laughs> no. And he's like, doesn't give a fuck. So that's I love the, it. That's the tone of his channel, huh? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, can, I can get behind this. <laughs> It's interesting because it's clearly not something, it's not a big famous channel. This is just a, yeah. a person who's like, hey, this happened to me and I need to tell someone it happened to me. Yeah. Um, it seems like it was around 2012 when all this happened with him. Okay. So that's why I mentioned as, as recently as 2012, he mentioned Bob being around it's crazy when he was that, in it. It's crazy that this is still happening. Yeah. These groups still exist. This seems like a weird thing that might have, like, existed for a brief period in the 70s. Not now. 80s and 90s. Unbelievable. Were when it was most popular. It's still going on. These groups are still there. Unbelievable. Because in his videos, he encourages people, like, he listed the names of all the groups and was like, do not go to these groups. Like, these are not reputable. Do not send your kids there. Yeah. Yeah, they're all related to Bob Meehan. And his cohorts. Wow. Um, so I just want to briefly mention the references I used. Okay. Um, the ABC 15 video. I found a clip of it, and they also put clips of it in the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, the clip I found was like seven minutes, and it was on YouTube. It was interesting. Um, the documentary, again, is called The Group. It's free on YouTube. It's an hour and a half long. Um, DJ existential, it's again, it's DJ and then space and then the letter X I S T E N T I A L. If you want to watch his series of videos on it, he also has like some like let's play videos and stuff. Like this is, (laughs) this is a totally unique thing on his channel. Other stuff is just like him dicking around and then it's this very serious content. Wow. And his videos are only about like seven to 10 minutes a piece. Okay. Um, and he is not shy about like calling people in the group pieces of shit or like what he really feels about them. Wow. Um, he's pretty honest and pretty blunt. Um, what else did I say? Um, also an article from 2005 called pathways, problematic preachings. Nice alliteration <laughs> yeah. by Tucson weekly. Well, I see um, what you did there. Yeah. Uh, that was a writer named Eric Sarkisian the second. Hmm. Sarkisian? It's S-A-R-K-I-S-S-I-A-N. Sarkisian? 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 I'm not sure. Something about quiche. (laughs) Um, Something about quiche? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, And one last thing. The reason cult groups take the form of therapy substance abuse programs, self-help groups, is because these are vulnerable populations. Yep. People who are desperate, people who know they have problems, and it can be easier to manipulate. Yeah. Especially fucking children and parents who are at their wit's end and don't know what to do to help their kids. Yeah. So any of the groups that you heard me mention throughout this, keep your ears open. If you know someone is going through stuff... And they mentioned one of these groups. Give them a warning. Can we get that list again? Do you have a Do you have a list handy at the front? Yeah. And that list was Pathway, Crossroads, Insight, Cornerstone, 
and the Palmer Drug Abuse Program. Yeah. Um, now, the Palmer Drug Abuse Program still exists, supposedly have no relation to Meehan. I don't know how closely to these roles they still follow. Right. I'm not sure on that. Um, I would stay away from anything that calls itself an enthusiastic sobriety group or yeah. program. Yeah, that's not a phrase I've ever heard before, and it does seem now like that's a very specific thing to them. Yes. Um, if you're feeling threatened by the group or, like, your thinking is bad, that your problems are because you're wrong and yeah. they want you to give over basically your freedom to them and have them make your decisions for you, yeah. get the fuck out. It's not good. Yeah. Get out while you still have a support system. Yeah. Um, just... Awful. Just awful. Again, I, we, I'm always interested in these cult groups and I fucking hate it But because yeah. they make me so mad. This one's really upsetting in particular because of the fact that it works on kids. Yeah. Of all things, I think there's something really upsetting about working on kids in this way. Also because you're indirectly working on their parents through the Extorting most Extorting money from parents yeah. by... Using their kids as leverage. Using their kids. And of course, a parent's going to give you money... Of course. ...if their kid's in trouble and they don't know what to do. Like, right. most parents aren't total assholes and are going to be like, uh, yeah, I want my kid to be okay. Like, I want to help my kid. Yeah. And they'll do anything in their power to help their kid. Right. Like... Fuck you, Bob Meehan. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Bob Meehan. <laughs> so uh, check out any of those references that I posted about. Again, the documentary is really good, and DJ Existential's videos are really interesting. I haven't even watched all of them. Maybe you and I can watch a couple of them tonight. Yeah. Um, he's an interesting personality, but I, he's talking about some real heavy stuff that happened to him. So I hope uh, he and other people keep talking about this stuff. Because it seems like it's still going on. I continue to be amazed about how awful things are that I had no idea existed right? at all. Right? And doesn't it just seem weird? Like, it seems, it does seem weird that it's still happening. Like, it yeah. seems like. It seems like the, it's like a crazy wild shouldn't. child thing that should have been a product of the past before we all, like, you know, pulled our pants up and, and uh, like, uh, you know, became grownups. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just strange. It's because it's, at least for me, it's so far removed from my reality. Yeah. And what I've experienced that someone being encouraged to just like do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> I like, know. And I don't think I had super strict parents. Yeah. Like in some ways, maybe. But for the most part, I got to do whatever I wanted because I was a good kid and I didn't fuck up too bad. <laughs> so like if I wanted to go somewhere, it was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like my mom was maybe a little overprotective sometimes, but that's just because she had anxiety, too. Right. <laughs> An obsessive compulsive disorder, yeah. basically. Um, but it that wasn't really put on me. It was like. Yeah, go hang out with your friends. Yeah, you get to go do this thing. Like, you asked and you get to do it because you don't mess up. Yeah. I was very lucky that I didn't mess up and that I got the freedom because of that. Yeah. But it wasn't a free-for-all in my house. It wasn't like, well, I'm just going to break shit. I'm just yeah. going to write on the walls. Yeah. Like, imagine really what that does when you when you are given sudden authority to have no consequence. I have witnessed people who live their lives like this, who just like 
do ridiculous things and then seem to not understand why things aren't going good. And it's like, <laughs> well, because you called your boss a cunt. Like, uh, yeah, that's you can't not do that. Cute. I mean, that's just not. You can't the, do that. You can't do that <laughs> and not get fired. Yeah. The, these are consequences. <clears throat> if you're raised like that, you're not going to understand consequences, though. It's just you're not going to. Yeah, probably not. Craziness. Wow. That. <laughs> is what I surprised you with. Yeah, wow. You had no amazing. idea any of this was coming. No, I didn't. Oh, I th- because I was listening to my favorite murder. <laughs> the most recent mini, so check that out, guys. Uh, I'm very interested and I might need to look into things a little bit uh, after this episode. I'm interested to know what's happening there right now. Yeah, and there's like even more that I'm I'm sure I could have looked into. Sure. Even more videos I could have watched. It's just... Yeah. A wealth of information. There's only so much we can ever talk about For on this me, podcast. The, the biggest glaring thing is because there's always that thing in the back of my head that's like when you see people doubting or people being like, oh, no, this program's great. It's like, OK, but there's multiple people uh-huh. from different places who don't know each other, who are part of these different programs saying the same things. Right. That's a big sign to me. Yeah, I think like so, too. if multiple people are saying, oh, they told me I would die in under a year if I left, that's a really specific thing to say. <laughs> yeah, like, people don't necessarily lie en masse about specifics like that. Yeah. Like, when you hear that over and over <laughs> again, independently of each other, it's probably the truth. Yeah. So. Well, thanks. This Christy. has been The Group. The Group. And Enthusiastic Sobriety Programs. <sighs> you know and what? Bob Meehan. If you're listening right now. Open a beer. Yeah, don't be that enthusiastic <laughs> about your sobriety. You could be sober. Just, yeah. like, be kind of bummed about it, I guess, <laughs> yeah, right. is what we're saying. Be sober, but, you know, don't be thrilled with it. <laughs> be sober, but be content. Yeah, just... Um, don't be don't be crazy. Yeah, just, just calm down a bit. And if you call your boss a cunt, you're going to get fired. Yeah. Baby. 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 <laughs> consequences baby uh thanks for that that was a really interesting thing i didn't even know existed me either i'm sad to know that it exists me 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 neither me me neither (laughs) (laughs) nobody Uh, knows what that is nobody knows yeah some people know what that is uh well all right yes all i don't even know how to wrap it up uh so i guess uh Gosh, we're going to have to think about whether or not we're actually going to be back next week because, well, no, no, that's right. Christmas is like two weeks away. I just cocked my head like a puppy. <laughs> yeah, I was did. like, er? You did like and that, then I cocked it the other way. The pug thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, never mind. We will be back next week with another episode. Uh, and then uh, maybe not the week after, depending we'll we go with the holiday stuff and all that. So yeah. this might be our next to last episode of the year. We don't really know for sure. All right. Uh, But thank you, as always, for listening to Goose Chase. Goose Chase. We'll see you in another week with another episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at GooseChasePod. And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. 
If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 